1: Hi, welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi.
0: And we are joined by a very esteemed guest, Allie Provost.
1: <laughs> I don't know esteemed is a very nice word. Thank you. I don't know. I think you may be a little bit of an internet celebrity, Allie. No. I was just looking <laughs> at your beautiful website and really lovely social. So Thank you. I- Kudos to you, girl.
2: Well, I'm definitely yeah. a very honored to be here, and I'm so happy that Maddie reached out. So, yeah, oh, it's been a you. long time
0: to give. We'll have you introduce yourself, but Allie and I did uh forensics, which people don't know what that is, <laughs> it's, it's ultra nerdy, it's speech and debate in high school, oh. but but competitively, yes. And we people would get really into it, yes. We can talk more about that during the <laughs> I could party. talk about yeah. forensics forever, and yeah. people think I'm, I'm so weird.
1: A quick note, though, because when I saw in Maddie's email that was so sweet, where she was like, hi, we were in forensics together. <laughs> I assumed that forensics was some kind of, like, nerdy club where you learned about, like, forensic investigating uh, and, like, murder. We just solve crimes all <laughs> day. Yeah. That's what yeah, all like, the people That's like. actually kind of cool. And I also think speech and debate is also cool. But um, yeah. I love that... I thought you guys were in a murder club for a while. So That's okay. So I hate
0: to to burst your bubble there. Yeah. So anyways, to place you, if you could maybe say what year you were born, where you grew up,
2: and kind of briefly what you're doing now. Okay. So I was born in 1992. I mean, it sounds... Not that long ago, which is crazy, but it was oh. very long. Almost tw- It was 26 years ago. Um, I grew up in Birmingham, Michigan. I was born in Detroit, obviously, where yeah. Maddie and I went to school. And from there, I went to D.C. for uh, college and majored in finance, oddly Aww. enough, which is a yeah. very like twist of yeah. turns. And then realized that I just, I loved photography and being creative, and I realized that wasn't being tapped into in my mm. finance career. So that's kind of how I parlayed everything, not like how, but yeah. where I ended up. So what do you do now? So right now I am a full-time photographer. I also have awesome. a blog on the side, which is called Preda Provost. It's a play on the French term meaning ready-to-wear, which is Pret a Porte. Mm-hmm. And then I just inserted my last name, and I thought it was super clever, mm-hmm. but... It is. <laughs> I, I, I have to explain it to a lot of people, but I don't really care because yeah. I still love it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll get more long. into that in a little bit.
0: Um, awesome. So, Shay, do you have a millennial moment of the week to share?
1: I do have a millennial moment of the week. Um, it's a little it's a little heavier than some of our millennial moments. I just, um, that's fine. Is it heavier than the dead body in the river? Oh my God. I'll did. tell you about it. Later. Um, <laughs> no, but it's more like, anyway, let me just say yeah. it. So, um, I have, I don't produce content quite like Allie produces content, but I do produce a lot of content for work. And, I've really been struggling over the past couple of weeks, but particularly this week. I mean, you'll see I've been like totally dark on social media, even though I'm really trying to get a lot of content out there to get new clients. But it's because I'm really struggling um, with everything that's going on uh, with the Senate hearings for Kavanaugh, etc. Right now, to put my content out there when so many of my friends and acquaintances and mentors are you know posting stuff about being survivors of sexual assault and you know posting in solidarity and I support that and I love that and I want to be supportive too but then on top of that a big part of my business comes from producing increasing amounts of content. So I really have been struggling with wanting to acknowledge what's going on in the world but also not you know, but needing to put out content but not putting it out because it just doesn't feel appropriate. It feels frivolous. Um and I came to some conclusions about that which I'll be writing about on my blog on Monday. <laughs> um but it's it's really difficult. So I was interested to, you know, I guess maybe that's more of a campfire topic but it really is my millennial moment the struggling with social so I was just interested particularly what Allie feels given you know her social media presence.
2: That's actually a huge um, debate going on in the influencer world. Do you do you talk about politics and alienate some of your followers or do you Mm -hmm. just completely ignore it and post the pretty shoes with the pretty dress and it's, it, we're everybody's torn, really. Um, a lot of the influencers with, um, I would say, moderate followings have started to test the waters a little bit more mm-hmm. in terms of how far they can push the, I want to talk about politics, mm-hmm. um, border. Um, and, and they do post the backlash that they get, which I find yeah. interesting. There are people who will be um, immediately responsive and say, I'm unfollowing you. How dare you support, um, uh, you know, the women, yeah. these women being accused, which I find crazy. But yeah, it's, you know, with with Instagram, you're so attainable Yeah, You're really putting yourself out there. Yeah. And you yeah. so you kind of are putting yourself in that viewpoint of others. And it's really up to you what what you feel most comfortable with. But I know a lot of people who choose not to speak about things.
1: Yeah. And I think what I, you know, my final kind of decision is and what I want to talk about next week, because I still didn't feel like it was appropriate to post today. And um, is that, you know, again, because I'm not working at that influencer scale and I don't want to be, I'm really looking to connect with people as clients, you know, who want to work with me for my whatever special Shea Zazzle. Um, And if, you know, if you're a raging conservative and, you know, you're probably not, we're probably not going to get along. Like I'm not going to be a good fit for you as, um, you know, a business consultant and coach. So I'm happy to refer you to someone else. So I don't really worry about, um, necessarily turning people away. It's almost a good thing for me if I turn people away on a certain level. Um, but yeah, I just want to find this balance between, um, talking about what is going on in my business and then talking about, kind of these important issues and then I kind of had this like come to Jesus moment with myself where I was like hey you know I work primarily with female entrepreneurs like that is my bread and butter right now so I need to stop you know my work does promote women and that's a good thing so I shouldn't be quiet even if I'm not directly talking about um you know the political situation. Yeah. So that is my heavy millennial moment for the oh, week.
0: <laughs> that was a lot less heavy than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. Okay, good. I, I wasn't <laughs> like,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could always be worse with no. me. No.
0: <laughs> so. My feeling too is, and I know some influencers do this where they have their like business persona, but then they also have like a personal or they'll have like multiple yeah. accounts. Like, I know a lot of comedians, even like I was talking to Justin, who we interviewed earlier this week. He has five Instagrams and they're all oh for like, gosh very specific things that's and a lot the, to maintain. I only follow one and I was like oh I thought that was the only one you had and he was like no that's like very curated very specifically and I know Shay yeah. like you've made the choice to like not have a separate like personal and like business Instagram yeah um but that's like an interesting thing to consider as well and it's also like you don't know what's going on in people's personal lives like obviously the stuff with Kavanaugh like I watched all of the senate testimony like all day yesterday at work it was oh like riveted and it was yeah. very exhausting and i have a lot of conflicting opinions about it but like honestly i feel like it almost i'll play the devil's advocate year because it would have almost been a, a nice reprieve for me because it is so overwhelming to see like story after story after story like yes. really crazy stuff like my coworker was showing me something that someone posted that was like horrific on her instagram that was actually like it was someone who was actually in support of the women but it was just like very graphic i don't even want to go into it yeah but she was like this is a lot for a lot of people so even to kind of break it up and have something a little bit more positive or realize that like there's so much bad stuff in the world not to like bring it down. But like, there's never going to be a day where someone's not dealing with something or there's not something horrific in the news, too.
1: Well, exactly. And I think that was also part of my final conclusion is like, hey, look, if I can offer something, even if it's just really small, that like makes you feel better, or you can come to my blog for 10 minutes and like read something that you can then take away to work and makes you feel better and empowered in the workplace. That's just as much doing my part as these women who are god bless them they are so brave but who are coming forward with their stories and their testimonies and their um you know literally literal bearing witness um you know i can help it's just a different way you know
0: yeah definitely
1: so, yeah well, all right cool. maddie <laughs> you're um, a millennial
2: mode.
0: mine so It was just kind of an anecdotal thing we've talked about in this podcast before, kind of in the workplace, working as a millennial for Gen X women specifically, and kind of how that relationship can form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Shay kind of heard the part one of this because we were texting about it, but my boss, who, she's kind of on the younger end of Gen X, but she sent me this email that was like, it was, just the way it was worded, it was like super, like aggressive and very like cold and weird and I was like uh and I had like a negative reaction to it and then we had a meeting today and I was like all prepared I was like these are all the things I'm going to talk about about why this email like sucked and we like got in the meeting and she was like oh yeah no totally I'm like on your side I just like had to send that and I was like working on it really quickly but like we'll get through it don't worry and I was like why is the tone of you in person so different from your tone in the email and I feel like Mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't want to, like, generalize or stereotype people too much, but I feel like it's a very Gen X thing to be, like, very short over electronic communication, but then very, like, friendly and, like, I'm trying to be hip and cool with the young millennials in person, so I don't know, it's weird, and it's a very specific, like, type of, kind of, like, type A Gen X, like, woman who's
2: very successful in the workplace who communicates this way, Yeah, which I found interesting. I will say, though, for people who communicate like that. I mean, I have definitely communicated like that where I just have to send the email very quick. I'm on the run. I don't really have time to proofread it, but I need to get X, Y, and Z points across. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know that there have been some emails in my um, past that probably are not the nicest of tones because I just need things done. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's a hard balance to find. Do I overuse exclamation points and smiley faces because I'm afraid that somebody is going to interpret that as me being aggressive. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I kind of fall on on both ends of that. I don't know if if
1: a man was sending that, if somebody would think twice about it. That's
0: true. That's definitely true.
1: I mean, I think the thing is that people, this whole email and written communication tone, people tend to fall on one end of the spectrum or the other. And, you know, There is a way, I think, that you can find a happy medium where you don't have to be all emojis and exclamation points, but you also don't have to be, you know, so gruff. And I think it is something that Gen X women do, and I think it just has to do with where they fell in the spectrum of women's rights, where they were, you know, paving the way for us, and the hard way that they had to do that was be a little tough in the workplace, and they haven't totally given that most of them are still relatively young women, they haven't totally adjusted, I think, to the changing millennial uh, workplace. But um, yeah, I think there's definitely a happy medium. And sometimes it's as much as just including like one exclamation point. Like, for example, I always sign my emails or 90% of the time, all the best. But instead of putting a comma, I put an exclamation point. And I feel like that one little, even if I use no other exclamation points in the entire email like for me I feel like that just you know sends it off with a little sparkle and I don't really (laughs) have to think about it or like people are going to be upset about it because they'll be like oh like it's a nice send-off um so I think it's just something you know you have to edit your own communication and you know and I mean like wide edit um and make those little adjustments
0: yeah I agree All right, Allie, do
2: you have any millennial moments from your life? Yeah, well, I actually, this morning, funny enough, I went to a panel with Harper's Bazaar. Oh, cool. And yeah, it was really exciting. And they had these women who were incredible entrepreneurs who were doing um, different things in their own respective fields of the fashion industry, which I thought was incredible. And one of the girls was only 23 years old. And I, I just sat there and I was like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah, she had four employees, but actually probably more than four employees, but only four of them were there. And (laughs) I just was very impressed. And I thought I sat there and I thought the corporate and career structure of millennials is almost non-existent Mm -hmm. anymore for, Mm -hmm. uh, this generation, because we don't, Feel the need that we have to sit at a desk from nine to five, staring at a computer screen,
0: mm-hmm.
2: overworking ourselves. Not even nine to five, really. It's like nine yeah. to eight. Yeah, God forbid some companies, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's you know people realize that there's there are better ways to making money and there are uh, easier ways to being happy, and mm-hmm. breaking your back isn't one of them. And I think it's so incredible to see these women really taking charge in the entrepreneur entrepreneurial sector. And creating them for themselves Mm -hmm. instead of waiting for somebody else to create it. And I just thought that was really fascinating this morning, conveniently enough. Yeah, I really
0: like that. I think that's true. And I definitely struggle with that because I work in finance, and it is very like. Even I have moved to like a newer company, and it's less like that, but it's still very much like you come in at nine, and
2: like five thirty is like the earliest you could leave.
0: Yeah, and you're in, like, an open floor plan office, which that's something that we've touched on a little bit on this podcast, but um, not to get too into, like, the hot topics, but that everyone, like, if you survey people, people that work in an open floor plan office wish that they had more privacy, like, wish that they had an office or something, and people that work in, like, the traditional kind of cubicle and office space wish it was more open. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of companies like WeWork and these different, like, space companies are trying to find a happy medium. Right. Which is why when you go to a WeWork, it's, like, a weird, like, everything is glass and you can go. They have a lot yeah. of, like, conference rooms where you can hop in, hop out, all the, like, phone yeah. booths, but you still have mm-hmm. the option. It's a lot more, like, optionality, but obviously most companies, that's not going to work in, like, a permanent space with a lot of employees. Like, you can't right. make it so everyone has a phone booth that they could go into at any time. Like, it would just take up mm-hmm. too much space. Um, So I find that very interesting i think a lot of companies are struggling with it that have like a
2: physical office presence where everyone can't work remotely right it's interesting
0: mm-hmm.
2: also yeah. it's funny that you brought up we work because this morning they had mentioned the female version of we work have you heard oh, of it the riveter yeah yeah and i just thought that There's was so incredible and mm-hmm. then everything is just like pink and yeah girl power awesome
0: yeah I think it's so fun
1: yeah very yeah,
2: cool. Agreed.
0: Well,
1: Shay, you're much alluded to oh, campfire talk. Oh, it's really top. not that big of a deal. It's just about, <laughs> no pressure. Um, you know, like body image and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't really want to talk about this with Justin. So I was like, <laughs> I'll wait for, sorry, Justin. So I was like, I'll wait till we have a female guest. But I think it's also interesting that we have someone who is in fashion. So there were two things that kind of got me thinking about this. First of all, there was an article um, in the HuffPost Highline called everything you know about obesity is wrong. And um, it's just a really interesting article. And to like really, really distill it down, you know, it basically says, you know, health is not measured by size, um, and that people who are overweight, um, don't get Appropriate medical care mm-hmm. um, because they can go to the doctor and be like, Hey, so I broke my arm. And they'll be like, Well, you're fat. And they'll yeah. be like, No, like I got hit by a car. And they'll be like, Yeah, but you're fat. And they're like, Fix my arm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Roxanne
0: Gay talks so, a lot about this. If you, exactly. do you know who she is, who she's an author. Roxanne Gay. Oh, no. Yeah. She talks a lot about this. She's very active oh. on Twitter and has written a lot of stuff. Oh wow, well, I have to talk this like very specific issue. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, you know, and I was thinking about that because I think what always bothers me about these kind of articles about obesity is I think like it is an important topic. And I think you, you know, clearly we have a lot of people in our country who are on uh, I mean, they have a lot of PC terms that I'm gonna get wrong. So I'm just gonna use the term obese and I, I am sorry. Um, because <laughs> I'm just like nervous about the terminology. But um you know, we have a lot of people suffering with that, but I think we have more people who are in kind of, like, the average to maybe carrying a couple extra pounds um, boat, and we don't really talk about, like, what that means and what that looks like, and I think what really struck me about this article is, like, I'm not a heavy person, but I've definitely put off going to the doctor because I don't want to get on that scale. Oh, and- really? Oh, yeah, all oh, times. And, like, I'm doing it right now because I'm not sick, but I, like, need a physical, but I don't want to get on the scale, so I, like, won't go to the doctor. Um, and this is, like, my own weird thing that I, you know, and I, I'm not a big dieter. I never have been. It's actually very important to me to not be a dieter. But I heard about this book on the podcast Diet Starts Tomorrow, which is by, um, I think it's Betches. And it's called, uh, intuitive eating and it's, the book is kind of boring because they like say the same thing 87,000 <laughs> times, but at the end of the day, like it's these two nutrition, nutritionists, um, Evelyn tribal and Elise Resch, And, um, they're talking about how we have totally just as a society, like fucked up our ability to know what it feels like to be hungry how to eat to an appropriate amount and how to not engage in certain like detrimental eating behaviors. So anyway, I guess it's like two different things that are kind of related. um, And I just recommend everyone reads the article because it's a really interesting. Oh, and the photography with the article in the Highline was fascinating because they photographed, I think, six or seven morbidly obese people. And they asked them how they wanted to be photographed. And it was so cool because some of them were like I want to be photographed as like really powerful and others were photographed as like hiding it was really really cool so I just wanted everyone to take a look at that
0: that's very cool yeah Yeah. I feel like yeah there's a lot of different things I I know i like here's five thousand like going back to the original thing that you were talking about Mm -hmm. I think that is really interesting I have a friend who is obese and she was actually just posting on Twitter like yesterday or something she was like going off about it, because she was like, everyone always tells me how unhealthy I am, and, like, no Mm -hmm. one knows anything about my situation, like, you're not a doctor, like, shut the fuck up, basically. Mm -hmm. Which I agree, like, it's very rude to come up to someone and be like, hey, what's going on with your life? Like, you know, strangers, or even if you're friends with someone, you don't know what their life is like. So I think it is Mm -hmm. very frustrating for those people, but it's also, um, like, I've talked about that friends specifically to other friends, because I think there are aspects of her lifestyle that are unhealthy and it's concerning like as a friend Mm -hmm. and you want to help them but it's like how do you approach it so that was something that kind of came to mind when you were talking about that but then the main thing I guess of what you wanted to talk about was kind of people like Roxanne Gay calls it like Lane Bryant fat like people that are like size 18 to like 24 is like Mm -hmm. most women yeah and that's not like obese at all but that's like where most people are and then people that are you know maybe a little bit smaller than that like is a very underserved demographic in terms of body acceptance I think mm-hmm. because they're not represented in media a lot of times and then when people think of people that struggle and you know you're even hearing what you said Shay I think if your doctor makes you feel shitty, like, you should fire them on the spot, like,
2: right. Full well, and stop. I don't
1: even, and I think that's the thing is, like, it doesn't have, like, in my experience, it hasn't, I haven't had anything, any experience with any doctor that made me feel bad. And, again, I think I love seeing so many more body types in media now, but I rarely see someone who looks like me. Again, kind of in that, mm-hmm. like, you either see the size zeros or the size 30s. Yeah. Like they talked about this, a lot of
0: I was listening to an interview in when the Amy Schumer movie, I Feel Pretty came out, Yeah, because I feel like her body type specifically is kind of what we're talking about. Like, yeah. you know, she's not a super skinny mini, but she's not, you know, what I would consider fat at all. Right. And that's kind of what that movie was about, was like the confidence of those people in the middle area. So I would recommend Shay, if you haven't watched that movie, I thought it was pretty funny. Oh,
1: I will. I know
2: that's yeah, so the people did not didn't like it, it that much. Oh, but you
1: haven't, you have to watch it. It is pretty really funny. I okay. will um, watch it. I think I was a little turned off because her movie with Goldie Hawn was not very excellent. I didn't see that one.
0: You
2: shouldn't base <laughs> yeah. any judgments off of either of them. Off yeah, of but I movie. had some
1: big <laughs> hopes for that movie. Yeah. No,
0: I thought, I thought that was good. And I was listening to a podcast when they were talking about it. And they were like, yeah, what makes it great is like, it's most, like you were saying, the representation in media is either like very skinny, attractive people, or it's like, fat funny friend who's like not attractive but like amy schumer i actually think is like really cute and she looks like a lot of people that i know she looks like me and my friends like you know it's kind of nice to have that and that's kind of like what most people Mm -hmm. are like but i think too it's like having it's cheesy but it's like self-confidence because there are always going to be shitty people there's always Mm going to be the judgy person there's always Mm going to be like you know. Mm The person that when you take the extra scoop of ice cream is going to be like, oh, okay. Give you or a side like, eye, like, are you really you know, going to eat or that? Or the nurse at the doctor's office. But I it's like, love it. if the main problem is like how you feel about yourself, like there's nothing the media is going to be able to do or nothing that society is going to be able to do to make you feel better yeah. if you can't get over it yourself, you know? Right. Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, and why I wanted to talk about these two pieces of media, the book and the article together, is I think what this intuitive eating book is talking about that's really interesting is just you know, again, that we don't really have any concept of how to nourish our bodies and all of these, you know, and I think we get even more inundated with all of this stuff now with everyone's pretty Instagram posts of their food and et cetera, et cetera, and their workouts and all of that. And I love looking at a lot of that stuff. Like I love looking at pictures of healthy food because vegetables are pretty, you know, and Mm I like looking at workouts because I'm like interested in In working out, you know, so it's not I'm not saying that they're necessarily a bad thing. But I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of problematic things. And I think our generation really is trying to come to terms with that to both like accept bodies, but also accept a new form of wellness. And then also along those lines, you know, Weight Watchers this week changed their name. They're no longer Weight Watchers. It's it's (laughs)
0: WW, which is stupid. Yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, it's
1: just Watchers or something or like Wellness something. I mean, it's real dumb. and It's not yeah. going to last very long, but um, <laughs> yeah. anyway, I just thought all of that coming together. How do you together, feel about it, Allie?
2: So, yeah. I mean, these are both again, very hot topics right now in the influencer world. Yeah, A lot of people who are really trying to make it big on Instagram are either a size zero or plus size. Yeah. That's really kind of what it comes down to, and so you miss this gray area of who are the normal like not yeah. I don't want to say normal but who are the people in the middle The average the average who, person but even even average is I think the average is what a 14 16 yeah. now um you don't see a ton of them and I think people are really trying to acknowledge the this middle area mm-hmm. and one of my friends my good friends Lydia Hudgens who's also an incredible photographer mm-hmm. here in New York she has really making a point to do street style of plus size women mm-hmm. and cool. really not alienating that group. Because when you think of traditional yeah. street style photographers,
1: who are it's they photographing? Like skinny photographing, people. Right. Yeah. They're
2: photographing the skinny models or the, um, I don't I want to list bloggers, but you mm-hmm. guys won't know them. But they're, they're fo- photographing these tiny, tiny people and their clothes may not be the best. Yeah. But so what I love is that Lydia did a whole, uh, Lydia did a um, collaboration with InStyle magazine where oh, she nice. was exclusively photographing plus-size women. And it really shed a light on how these women were dressing yeah. for Fashion Week. And it's something that not a lot of people typically see because they're not really the ones being photographed. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though they have incredible styles. Yeah. And the That's point... That's awesome. Yeah. I think no one should ever feel shamed going to the doctors mm-hmm. because you're going to yeah. a doctor for a reason. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You're not sitting you know, eating an entire yeah. chocolate cake and just never going to the doctors, yeah. you're going to the doctors mm-hmm. for a reason. And yeah. just to make sure everything's in line and so you never really know what's going on in somebody's health, in somebody's mm-hmm. life. So the problem with obesity and being a little bit overweight is that you kind of wear that on your exterior. Yeah. Right. That's it's something the that first everybody, everybody can see. So yeah it's not like something internally where you feel like you need to work on something where not everybody knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. If the outside you're smiling, that's all fine and dandy. But that's where I feel like a lot of people kind of give their two cents because they Mm -hmm. can physically see it when their two cents aren't really welcomed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, again, I I encourage everyone to read this article because it was so fascinating. Um, It talks a lot about the reason... You know, some doctors are just assholes, but a reason a lot of doctors have to do that, at least in the United States, is because it comes down to um, insurance Mm -hmm. and doctors get paid. It's something like they get paid twenty six dollars, like literally nothing for like a general appointment with a patient. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have to kind of move that patient out as quickly as possible to get the person in that has the broken arm or the, you know, something a little more catastrophic mm-hmm. because then they're going to be paid, you know, $27,000 for that, you know, setting of the broken arm and the taking of the x-rays and all of that stuff. So, um, that's why like someone with it who's, um, obese comes in with a cold, you know, instead of being like, Hey, you know, this might be bronchitis or pneumonia and let's talk about it and let's get a chest x-ray. They're just going to be like, well, you're out of breath because you're fat, get out of here, mm-hmm. you know, because it doesn't the insurance is not allowing them the time. So, um, I mean, that's a whole nother topic for maybe another day, but yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. So,
0: yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Um, All right, Maddie, my hot topic. So I realized I picked this before at you were the guest Allie, but now I'm realizing, you know, these people, so this
2: is actually very, Oh, exciting. really? Yeah. Okay. I hope I know these people. You, oh, do. you okay. definitely do.
0: Um, so there's two articles. So, it's 2018, so there's been a lot of um, press recently. I've noticed like in the last like month or so about kind of looking 10 years back at the recession mm-hmm. and also looking back at 9/11 but not as much, but definitely like 10 years after the recession, kind of looking at like where are we now? There was an article in BuzzFeed by Vanessa Wong, which was really interesting. like I saw when they put the submission box up and then the final article is like super fascinating. And it's, here how our, here's how millennials' lives were changed by the recession 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they basically asked for all sorts of online submissions. And then I think they chose, like, 40 of them. So it's a pretty long thing, but totally, like, diverse perspectives, like, across the millennial spectrum, which I really liked, that they talked to both young millennials who maybe experienced the recession through their parents and then older millennials who were graduating at certain times, like, people that had student debt, people that don't have student debt, people that moved across the country, people that stayed in their hometown. So I really recommend reading that, because I know we talk a lot about the generational divide in terms of like people Shay's age who graduated during the recession and Mm -hmm. what that means for someone like me who kind of saw it at a distance. Um, So I thought that was really fascinating. And then in the same line, Michael Miller, who's uh, Mrs. Miller's son who writes for the New York Times. Wait, from high school? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's so funny. So this was people that were involved in speech and debate. Um, He wrote an article for the New York Times called, I came of age during 2008, I'm still angry about it. (laughs) And he talked about his parents basically filed for bankruptcy because they both lost their jobs and had to move during the recession, which I was like, I had no idea this was going on at the time. Yeah, Because I knew, Yeah, I we knew them during this time. And his mom got breast cancer, like, all of this stuff was happening, mm-hmm. and basically they had to use, like, his college money to pay for, like, their house and all of her medical treatment and everything. Oh, my God. Oh, my and God. I had no idea. It was, like, very kind of sudden, so I recommend reading it, because it's a very universal story, but kind of how... I just got goosebumps, yeah. Like, oh his f- whole family was, like, turned upside down by this, and how they... We're kind of trying to keep up this, like, suburban, middle-class, like, image, image while mm-hmm. dealing with all of this shit and, like, not having the wherewithal to, like, deal with it. Yeah. And graduating college, or graduating high school and realizing that, like, for the welfare of your family that you can't use your college fund and then going... He went to a really expensive school, too, which, like, obviously that's a choice, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Right. You yeah, don't have...
0: No one's forcing you to do that, but that was kind of his plan. And now he's working for the New York Times and you know, he's successful, but he doesn't have, like, a super high-paying job, and he's in his 30s now, and so he wrote this really cool article about kind of looking back on Mm -hmm. that, and, like, the fact that his parents are, like, older now, they're still working, and everything, they had to move, and so I just found both of those pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah, you know, it's so funny, because you had sent me, um, Maddie, kind of, like, the call for submissions for that, and I went to submit, and I was, like, everyone's stories in the comments were like so tragic and so awful. I was like, Oh, I don't think I can participate. (laughs) Well, that's what
0: I found so great about it because there were some that were really uplifting. Like there were some people who were like, which I I thought was good. Like there were some that were like, Mm -hmm. yeah, my parents saved money and I went to a really expensive school and I have no student debt and like life was fine. Like it it just passed me by during the recession, which like that happened to people like good on you. Um, And then there were some people who, they were like, yeah, I, there were no jobs in my town, so I moved away where I didn't know anyone, and I basically, like, started life over, and now my life is great, and, like, if I had stayed in my hometown, even if the recession didn't happen, my life would be shittier than how it is now, like, Mm -hmm. so there were some uplifting stories, but they all, kind of, the recession played a hand in that, like, they would have made a different decision, even Mm -hmm. if the decision ended up being a good one, but there were some uplifting stories, I thought. Yeah. But definitely a lot of, like... I lost everything. There were also a lot, which I thought was really interesting, like... Of people... There was one that, like... like really struck me and it was this girl and she was like I got a degree like the headline was like I got a degree that was useless and her degree was in psychology which I was like you can do a that's lot of u- stuff I, with that I don't feel like yeah. that's useless And I she think was there like, are a lot more ones that are useless It read like very angrily and she was like no one told me that I wouldn't be able to find a job with this degree and like I don't know what to do with my life and it's like okay well like in that aspect I was like maybe it's mm-hmm. a little bit you and not the yeah. recession like yeah. I'm sorry that's right <laughs> yeah but like That was the only one that I was like, okay, this person is just, like, angry at their life. But all the rest of them, I was like, yeah, it sucked for a lot of people.
2: Well, especially Mm -hmm. because college majors don't really... Matter, yeah, matter anymore. yeah we talk a
0: lot
1: About that so on this podcast box, <laughs> like, yeah it, I'm like no. Just get the degree mm-hmm. yeah, um, just, it, yeah It
2: really is just To show that you Went to school For four yeah. years You had yeah. an, a, an experience Away from your parents And your bubble mm-hmm. And you were able To think on your right. own It's all about Just yeah. personal thinking yeah. In my
0: opinion but And there was a lot Of stories about yeah. Unpaid internships Which like mm-hmm. By the way If it's really An internship And not something else That's illegal In most places Yeah most places And To me I'm like What Again, it's, like, the the choices that you're making, like, if you're telling me in your story that, like, your parents were really struggling and you had to, like, fight to move out of your house, and then you're gonna, like, have an unpaid internship and -hmm. then be upset when it doesn't pan out, like, I have a little bit less sympathy for you than, like, Michael Miller's story, for example, you know?
1: So. Yeah. And I think there are many stories like that, but I always, you know, I think there's a lot of resilience among particularly the ancient millennials because like we had to make it work. Um, yeah,
0: definitely. There was a lot, like I said, a lot of really uplifting, pick yourself up by the bootstrap type
1: stories that I really like. Yeah. I do think, you know, um, what's unfortunate is it's, you know, it's taken some of us a little, I mean, it's, It's funny because, like, for me, I had the chance to slip into the workforce right before the recession. But I was like, no, I'm going to go fuck off to Europe for a year. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, and I definitely, like, paid for that. And I think my career would have been very different. Um, You know, I I definitely in 2008, when looking for a job, I did not have the opportunities available to me that I would have had in 2006. But, you know, like, long term, it really, it's probably been better for me.
0: Right. Because it's like maybe if you had slipped into the workforce, you wouldn't have moved to Oregon. You wouldn't be living with David. Like mm-hmm.
1: your life would be very I'd probably different. be living in Cleveland. Honestly, Ugh, oh gosh, never horrible! I moved to
0: New York. I never would have met Maddie. This podcast like, wouldn't exist. So what a horrible fate! Yeah, all
1: this. <laughs> horrible, horrible world it would be. Um, See, it all works anyway. out in the end. I don't know. Yeah. All right, so Allie, do you have a hot topic, or should we just jump into the interview portion?
2: I was frantically trying to think oh, of one. I don't know why I'm coming up short. Um, That's okay. We can just start grilling you. Yeah. I really <laughs> have any questions for you. Yeah. So. Oh gosh. Okay. You're very well, feel, fascinating. Feel free to start grilling me yeah. at any time.
0: So, how you mentioned earlier that you're a photographer yes. and you have a blog for a website? Phenomenal. By thank the way. you. Thank so, you. Thank you. Yeah. So, how did this kind of come about? And what is your day-to-day life like? Like, what kind of clients do you work with? And Oh, gosh. It, how my, did you how start? That was my
1: question. Oh, well, <laughs> I we're a team. Down, <laughs> what's the day-to-day?
2: <laughs> I, I can answer hard. all the questions. Yes.
1: <laughs> Go on. <laughs> um,
2: so the, the way I got started in photography is actually very funny. I remember even back when I was in high school, I was fascinated with photography. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, just never picked it up. I never... Went out of my way to do it, and I remember even. Um, do you remember Sydney Crandall? Yeah, yeah. So she was always the big photographer mm-hmm. in high school, and I thought it was so cool. I remember playing with her camera, but just completely. Yeah, it just didn't didn't do it. It wasn't until when I was in college, I began working for Kate Spade part time throughout the school year, and I just fell in love with the styling and dressing up for work. It's probably one of the only places where you can wear a cocktail dress to work and you're not overdressed for work. And I just, I loved my outfits. And so I started photographing my outfits just on my iPhone, right? The Mm -hmm. classic mirror selfie that everyone knows and loves today. But I, my friend had started a blog. And so I reached out to her who still blogs today. Her name is Dana Manorino. Um, We're still really good friends, best friends, probably. Um, We I reached out to her, and I was like, you know what? When I was a senior, I was like, I really want to start my blog. I really want to get the wheels turning on this. And I just said, I need better photos. I had had a basic entry-level starter kit DSLR camera, and I thought I was the coolest thing Mm -hmm. in the entire world. And I thought that I needed a better camera from that to take great photos, which I look back at now, and I kind of laugh. But I had... Looked at other photographers who I loved, one of which was Karen Olson. Mm -hmm. Her Instagram is Paris in four months. So she, on her blog, had a little section about what was in her camera bag. And she listed the camera that she had. And on the bottom, it said, remember, it's not the camera that takes the photo. It's the photographer. And of course, me and knowing nothing about photography, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you say, (laughs) you're wrong. I'm just going to get the really nice camera that you have. And I would say probably within three seconds, she was absolutely right. Yeah. I oh, had gosh. this professional level camera and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And so I was frantically trying to figure out YouTubing things, how to right. learn photography over YouTube is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I got some kind of basic understanding. And then I actually, when I went home for Easter break my senior mm-hmm. year, I reached out to Anne Gordon. Oh, nice. Who did everybody's senior portraits yeah. when we were in college or high school. And I reached out I was like, can you please tell me how to use my camera? Yeah. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. And she taught me. And from there, oh, I figured wow. out what kind of style was best for the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. I just, from there, started photographing my friends. Yeah. Nothing crazy. But I practiced so much. I was taking photos of my takeout boxes. Like, that's how much I was practicing. Yeah. Just taking pictures of Everything, things. yeah. Um, and then when I moved to New York, I started doing freelance. Thankfully... By Dana's push, she had a request of a recommendation, like who she should recommend mm-hmm. as a photographer. And she recommended me. And she said, make a rate sheet. Yeah. And we're, we're recommending you now. So I owe a lot of what, where I am right now to Dana. Um, and what were you taking photos of at I was that taking time, photo like... of bloggers. Okay. Any kind of fashion blogger. Mostly lifestyle. I really wasn't doing any other portraits mm-hmm. aside from that. Um, I just wasn't comfortable in that type at that time. Mm -hmm. I was really kind of just sticking to what I know and what I knew. And I only had one lens. I only had, you know, very limited, uh, very very limited skill set where I wasn't comfortable going elsewhere. But now I've been doing it for four years. Um, well, plus four years if you count my six months of struggling. Um, (laughs) and now my day, there's no two days that look the same, which is really what I love about what I do. I love meeting new clients that come from Dallas or Colorado or California, wherever it is. And we go to the classic New York locations and shoot and, and just have fun. It's to me, there's no greater feeling than a client seeing their photos and just getting so excited, Mm -hmm. even when they're just Mm -hmm. looking at them in the back of the camera. Right. So, um, you know, I still have a ton to learn. I'm never not one to say that I know everything because I, absolutely do not but I'm even taking classes at this school called ICP which stands for the International Center of Photography mm-hmm. and it's really helped just give me some schooling because yeah. you know you could, YouTube only took me so far yeah definitely that's the long story to where I got to where I am <laughs> so how did you decide
0: to start your own sort of page where you're in front of the camera
2: yeah, well, because yeah. because I was dressing up so much when I was in um, at Kate Spade, I just wanted an outlet to share that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it to be so amateur where I was just taking my iPhone photos. Yeah. And it was very natural for me to do that. I really did that first. And it kind of... Created the groundwork for photographing bloggers, right. so I had some kind of credibility, and that I knew what I was talking about, and I knew what look they were going for, even if they didn't actually see my other clients' work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. How do you take those self-portraits? Do you use a tripod or what's your methodology?
2: (laughs) So it, I mean, it depends. 99% of the time I'm not using a tripod. I am using either my good friend, Lydia, who's also what I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Oh, awesome. Um, So if I'm in New York, she's most likely going to be taking my photos Mm-hmm. or if I'm on vacation, I essentially use my friends as human tripods. Yeah. Oh, I'm perfect. sure they love being called human tripods, <laughs> but I will essentially set up the shot. I'll have them stand exactly where I'm going to stand. Yeah. Set up the mm-hmm. shot, set up all the the logistics and the settings and then we just swap. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. So, whether my friends really really love me, but most of my <laughs> friends are most of my friends are bloggers, so yeah. they we just it's it we all get it's it. all an it's understanding reciprocal. yeah yeah um, but I love it when my my dad has to come out with me for on like a family oh. vacation
1: <laughs> oh gosh
2: I remember I've taken so many funny photos of him just because he's my tester shot yeah and he he gets really into it he'll oh do the God, poses pose. <laughs> he'll like kneel he'll lean against the wall with his arms crossed looking <laughs> off into the distance but it's a lot of fun That's and funny. and they. Not only just my friends, but especially my, my dad or yeah. my mom, if she's, if she's up to bat. Yeah. They mm-hmm. love seeing the final product. They yeah. love seeing, like, I took yeah. that photo. It's yeah. so fun. And I was like, yeah. yeah. In theory, you took the photo, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you clicked the shutter. <laughs> yeah. Oh
0: How gosh. have you grown your audience over time? It It's taken a
2: lot of work. And I think a lot what of What are pe- the tips? Well, th- there's no overnight success. And yeah. I think... That has just been reiterated so many times because our generation is so used to instant gratification. Mm -hmm. We want a million followers tomorrow. And that's never going to happen, not legitimately. And I would rather, because I'm currently, I think I'm probably at like 18,000. I I don't relatively have a huge following. I have been working at this forever. And sometimes the the hill seems too high to climb. (laughs) And I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I going to people's pages, commenting, liking their photos, genuinely engaging with them, and sometimes it moves at a glacial pace. Yeah. And some days I gain 100, 200 followers a day. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a big day for me. Yeah. Um, but it's really about consistency. When you maintain a consistent aesthetic, you're constantly engaging. Yes, it takes a lot of time, mm-hmm. and yes, it takes a lot of energy, but it's always going to be worth it because I would rather have 18,000 very engaged followers than 500,000 people who don't care about me. Right.
1: Yeah. Any day. So, and I, and I think, I, I think that's, that's, I love that you said that because that's what I preach to my clients when they're like freaking out about their followers. But, um, also, you know, for you, what is the goal? You know, is Mm -hmm. it to just have engaged followers or is it to feed your photography business? And I think, I don't know. I just am interested to hear.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a little bit of both, but I yeah. was talking actually earlier at the event that I was at where I have almost two personas online because I have my photography account and I also mm-hmm. have my personal blog account where mm-hmm. I never want people to just assume that I'm a blogger who just also happens to take photos. Right. Yeah. I want to be a photographer who also happens to have a blog. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really big distinction. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I don't want somebody to not think I'm credible or respect me as a photographer and just think, oh, she's a blogger, that's why. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's hard when some people are like, oh, I didn't know you took photos. I'm like, well... I want people to know I take photos, but I don't want people to know I take photos. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? I'm not sure if that quite makes sense. Well, I think people don't really think about it, because, like, the way you describe it, like, you, when you're,
0: you're in front of the camera, but, like, really, you're the one also taking the photo. Like, people don't think about it. Where it's like, gee, I wonder how she travels, and she always has these amazing photos. She's the only through line, you know? People, like, don't think about it, and they just assume, oh, maybe she hired a bunch of photographers everywhere she goes and like whatever like Mm -hmm. the casual person who maybe doesn't know you or just randomly comes across your page or whatever the planning
2: that goes into trips sometimes is the outfits and stuff which I want to talk about too yeah Yeah. (laughs) you have to match the outfit to the location so so, yeah where do you
0: store your clothes where do you buy them what goes into this
1: on her Insta story, and I saw the shoe situation, and I... Oh, from, like a, I from a like, really long time
2: ago, or yeah, I was
1: moving in? Yeah. And I was just, like, blown away, and I was like, I want her to talk about the shoes, because there are yeah. so many, and they're so beautifully, like, displayed. Thank you. Um, so well, do you still have that set up?
2: Yes, I still have that set up. I get so many comments about people... So for those who may not be actively looking at my Instagram, (laughs) um, I have these two massive bookcases from Ikea in my living room. And I say living room, but it's a studio. So it's really just all one space. it's just the room, yeah. It's just the room. Yeah. And they have clear doors and they just shelve all of my shoes. And I have a lot of shoes. (laughs) That is not something that I ever really try to hide. But yeah, there are... Oh, gosh. I, I couldn't even. I, yeah. I have a lot of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I could really put a number on it. But to me, shoes complete the outfit. So I see more of an investment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in shoes to me. Um but yes, I have a lot of shoes. I'm just like trying to think of all the Hey, I, I support it. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, but I, I, I love s- it. It's funny though, because I get messages all the time from people saying, like, oh my gosh, I showed this to my husband to say, to see if we could put this in our living room. And he said, absolutely not. I'm like, Right. If I didn't live in a studio, yeah. I would this not would be, not putting be the these in my living room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like I if in a dream world I would have a two bedroom apartment, but yeah. those we can't do those now. Yeah. Um and the one bedroom would essentially be my office slash closet and the yeah. other one would be my actual bedroom. But yeah, until I get to that <laughs> <plenty>. point <laughs> I, have, I have the, the plan all figured out, um, to be determined when that's actually gonna be executed. Yeah. But yeah, it's um it's a lot of fun and that's why i love i love my shoes what's been like the most interesting like
0: reaction you've got online or like someone that found you like out of the blue and you're like how did you find me like what is yeah. it like kind of growing this following organically
2: yeah, well, I did get a marriage proposal once. Oh that my, was oh. real, that was really fun. It was tempting. It really was. Um, but he was, like, it was... I can't remember the exact writing, so I think I blocked the person. I yeah. apologize. <laughs> um, but it was, like... It wasn't, like, a will you marry me? It was a wife... My wife, will you be? It was yeah. not coherent. Oh, maybe he didn't speak I, English natively. Yeah. I was, like, mm, not, not today. Either. Yeah, You know, maybe tomorrow. Try back. <laughs> um... So that's probably the weirdest thing that I've gotten. Yeah. Uh, nothing though, I will say makes me feel better or happier that I'm doing what I'm doing is when people reach out and say, Oh my gosh, I love, I just found your account. I love what you're doing. And I just started following. I- it's just so much yeah, fun to follow along. Really and nice. it, it makes me feel like what I'm doing is making, it, it's not making really yeah. a big difference, but it's making somebody smile yeah. throughout the day.
0: Yeah. 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 So In how much circle. of your yeah how much of your time would you say is devoted to like your like photography business oh. versus like the
2: blog too much yeah <laughs> too much time um, the problem with I, I don't want to say it's a problem because it's really not a problem yeah. but the the hard thing to balance when it comes to being a freelancer and not working at a structured corporate job where you have to go into an office is that I can never shut off. Mm -hmm. So I can't actually give you a number for how many hours I work in a day. You're working all the time. Because this, for example, this morning I got up at six o'clock. I had to be down in Midtown by 7 a.m. And then Mm -hmm. I was shooting almost all day. And then I came here. Yeah. So my work day, in a sense, has been 13 hours. Yeah, which is crazy for people to think about. And they just don't they don't realize that you're doing press. Yeah. And (laughs) and you have to at the same time be constantly engaging on every single other platform that you Mm -hmm. have. And so people don't realize that just because there's a pretty picture online doesn't mean that it's not there isn't 13 hours of work that leads up to it.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly.
2: How what kind of
0: engagement on Instagram do you do? Like, how much time does that take?
2: Like, yeah. Going through, like, do you read every comment on... I read every tra- comment. Yeah. I read every comment. I read every DM. I read every single thing. Yeah. Whether or not I have enough time. time to respond to things yeah. is right. definitely up for debate. But but you know, you're definitely looking at it. I'm, I'm looking at it. And I try not to let it get... I don't want to say get to my head. Yeah. But I try not to let things make my head larger than they are because I just always want to continue... Producing great content and mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah. Do you have a moment, or do you set boundaries for yourself about when you shut off? No, I, I probably should, but I don't. <laughs> it's, it's no value judgment. I mean, I'm just yeah. something that I'm interested in.
2: Yeah. B- I never fully shut off. I'm always checking it. And obviously Instagram is my most checked app. It takes up 50% Mm -hmm. of my battery. Yeah. Um, if anyone ever wants to be curious about their, how much they're on social media, just check it to see your battery percentage on your settings. But you know, I just, I, am always trying to answer questions or uh, comment back and, and comment on other people's photos because that's really where I get personally a lot of my own inspiration. So I I never really feel the need to ever shut off, and but I always try to respond to people in a timely manner. Try to right the the keyword. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think you know you're doing your best, and that's I mean it seems like a trite thing to say, but all of these there are so many women like you who are basically like you said running this little mini empire and like mm-hmm. you can only do what you can do there's really are only 24 hours in a day and you have to sleep so right
2: and the amount of emails that i receive on a daily basis is unfathomable it's just insane and yeah. a lot of them I have to just delete because... Mm-hmm.
0: I'm glad you didn't delete my email. No, I didn't. I always
2: read the emails. Yeah. I always get, Of course, I wouldn't delete your email. No, but I get constantly reached out to, and I, every influencer, yeah. this isn't just me, but every influencer you have gets... to figure out if it's like a legitimate offer or something like you Not only legitimate, or just something that somebody just copied and pasted to yeah. an email, like, dear influencer.
0: <laughs> I'm not
2: going to respond no. to something that says, dear yeah. influencer, you didn't take the time to look at my name. You didn't take the time to see anything about me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, and some of these collaboration offers that I receive are just so out there. And I just think to myself, "Did you?" what is a collaboration offer for people that are not in the biz? Oh, a collaboration (laughs) offer is just somebody who either wants to pay you or not pay you. Yeah. um, Mm -hmm. In exchange for promotion of their product, service, or whatever they're doing. So if somebody reaches out to me and they want... To for example, like hypothetically, yeah. if somebody reached out to me said we have these amazing baby strollers, we'd love for you to promote. Did you look at my page? <laughs> yeah, no like, babies in sight. <laughs> there are no babies, <laughs> so I don't know why yeah. you're emailing me. Waste, and you're wasting your time, right? Because yeah. in I, it's just.
0: But if someone was like, we have these shoes that are really cute.
2: Potentially. Potentially. Yeah.
0: Um, How do you kind of suss through that? Like, how did you decide to, like, monetize doing this and, like, deciding if you want to work with, like, brands and stuff like that?
2: Well, right now, the influencer community is having a hard time figuring out what they're going to, or if they're going to charge for something, because for years and years, people were just so thankful that brands were acknowledging influencers Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. saying, I want to give you this product so you can post it on Instagram. This is how much we care about you. And influencers Mm, were just dropping everything. Absolutely. This brand X, Y, and Z wants to work with me. I'll do whatever they want. And then so these brands got really used to doing or getting things for free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is not, should not be the case. It should not be the case right now. And because if somebody reaches out to me and there's nothing in it for me. Yeah. Why would I do it? If you're reaching out to me with a product that I'm going to spend the time, the money, the effort to create beautiful content for you, Mm -hmm. and then you're just going to reap all the benefits. (laughs) This does not make any sense. For for a free pair of shoes. Well, we obviously know I love my shoes. Yeah. Why would I do it for a free pair of shoes? I have hundreds of shoes. Right. I don't need another pair. You could mm-hmm. get a paying gig
0: and then buy your own shoes on yeah, your mean, own time. <laughs>
2: there are certain brands, though, if they were to reach out right. to me, I would probably do anything for. Yeah. But yeah. but most of the time, if people reach out to me, and it's a somewhat legitimate brand, I just respond, thank you so much for thinking of me. This is my rate. Please let me know if you would like to move forward. And it's something where it's just a subtle reminder, like, yeah, this really is a business. I can't pay my mm-hmm. rent with free shoes. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah. landlord does yeah. not accept that as, yeah. <laughs> as payment. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's really about instilling this, this mentality that influencers are working and we need to get paid.
1: Well, and I think, you know, that's just something that's important for creatives across the board to really put their foot down. And that's something that's really hard to teach particularly young creatives when you're literally, you know, still a starving artist. It's mm-hmm. like, how do I say no? And it's like, well, sometimes you just like, I love that you said that you just say, thank you. This is my rate. Hope to hear from you soon. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, that's the best you can do. Yeah. Uh, now, are there brands that you won't work with? Like, even if they said, "Great, we'll pay you." Yes.
2: Um. There are absolutely brands that I will not work with just because they don't align well with me. Mm-hmm. My I have uh, built a I've built a brand that's more aligned with a luxury consumer. I yes. don't typically post about bargain and thrift shops and. Places where you can find things on deep, deep, mm-hmm. deep discount. That's just not... Mm-hmm. No one's going to come to my page and think that that's that. what they're going to get. Right. So if somebody's coming to me with a very... Um, or if somebody's coming to me with something that's very off-brand, mm-hmm. I don't... I don't Obviously, off-brand is a very millennial term now. Yeah. Um, Because everyone has their own personal brand. Mm-hmm. But if somebody mm-hmm. comes to me with something that's very off-brand, I will most likely say no. Right. So you don't not... want
0: to delude your own brand. Right. Exactly.
2: And you never want to alienate your current followers just because you need to get paid, which mm-hmm. I understand. But that's why I'm very thankful that I have my photography where I don't need... of my income coming from my Instagram. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. like so there is a um, another podcast slash YouTube video that I love listening to that's a lot of influencer insights. It's done by the company called Four and the gentleman James that runs it he made a comment saying if you were going to watch a television show and 50% of the 30 minutes so 15 minutes of the 30 minute show was all commercials Would you want to watch that show? Probably not. Mm -hmm. No. Because, and so that's the the mentality we have to get in as we, that's the mentality that I have to get in where I can't have back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back sponsor posts. It's just not fun Mm -hmm. for anybody, anybody Mm -hmm. in general. Right, yeah. Yeah. And
0: people are starting to, like, see through it now. Like, I watch a lot of, like, The Bachelor, and people are always, like making fun of the fact that they just get off the show and they're yeah. just like sponsoring all this content. Sponcon, yeah. as they say. Yeah,
2: exactly. Sponcon. Oh, well, and because the hashtags have to be now so visible. Yeah. It's very mm-hmm. evident when people are using um, Is that like a legal thing? Like yes. you have to it has to be like advertisement sponsored yes. content. Yeah. Yes. Everything has to be notified. Other so there was a big um, there was a big scandal a few years ago where these major influencers got letters um saying that we know that you are not uh, we know that you're not oh gosh what's the word Mm -hmm. oh we know that you're not disclosing all of your advertisements Mm -hmm. and that's misleading your audience and it it led into this whole thing so just to be safe most people will do hashtag ad hashtag sponsored just to, to show
1: Yeah. Well, and I think this is also why, like you said, not having all of it be sponsored content and also why, you know, building your story and building your rapport with your followers is really important because then when you do do that sponsored Mm -hmm. content, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, even though this is sponsored, I still trust Allie and I trust that she wouldn't put something up here that she didn't personally, you know, advocate for, which I think is really important.
2: And that's really the end goal. We want people to buy things that we suggest. Yeah. And if they don't trust us, then they're not going to buy anything. Yeah. No. So.
0: Totally.
1: Yeah. I love that.
0: very interesting. So what, um, do you have any tips? I know it's you don't want anyone else to encroach on the space. But if there's a young No, that's a young photographer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If there's a young photographer, a young influencer out there, what would you suggest, like as people that are starting out?
2: Just do it. Yeah. That's really the main thing. Just do it. Don't think too much about it. It's never gonna be perfect right out of the gate. It it never will be. Mm -hmm. I struggled for years, yeah. figuring out what I want to find wanted. your voice, so to speak, yeah. And so, yes, um, my feed may look aesthetically pleasing, but if you scroll back, it <laughs> was not. And I keep those up there as almost a reminder, yeah. Um, yeah, but mine, my- well, it's interesting because I
0: that's kind of how I've I feel like I've like grown up with your page because I yeah. started following. You in high school or whatever? Like whenever Instagram like came out. Oh gosh,
2: no, we were in college. And then, I was in college, at yeah.
0: least. <laughs> so it, it's still like been a while. And then at a certain point, I mean, it was very like gradual. Yeah. Where now it's like,
2: yeah, more I tried aesthetic
0: to... and stuff, but it's really interesting. It's cool. I like it.
2: Yeah, I tried to smoothly do it. I yeah. never wanted it to be an abrupt. Yeah. Okay, now we're we're thinking professional yeah. versus mm-hmm. personal, mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, my biggest regret, I would probably say though, is not starting sooner. That's the only thing because I feel like I missed out on. on
0: Because it does take time to kind of
2: build. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So even when it comes to my photography, I still keep my not so great photos on my blog where my lighting was super harsh, my photos were overexposed, my editing was all over the place because I want people to know that. I didn't get to where I was overnight. Right? Yeah, it's, but it's
1: been a journey. Yeah, exactly. So kind of along the same line, but a little bit different, where do you find most of your beautiful clothes?
2: <laughs> All over. I, if I'm not working, working out in the field, I am sitting and online shopping like a, cra- like a crazy person. <laughs> um, my favorite store that I shop at, and it's really just online, is Net-A-Porter. hmm <laughs> That, Mm -hmm. to me, is one of the easiest, smoothest shopping experiences I have ever had in my life. Now, it is definitely a higher price point. Mm -hmm. They have everything from Madewell to Fendi on there. So there's a huge range, but they list the sizing, what size the model's wearing, the length of the item, and every single uh, measurement of each size. So you really know if something is going to fit you or not, and it just... To me, and they have same day delivery in New York City, oh, which that's is awesome. and, which I dangerous. Take, I'm, I'm sure so dangerous. It's not even funny. Um, But yeah, and they have beauty on there. They have travel accessories. They just they have everything.
1: I did awesome. get my favorite pair of sneakers ever from Net-a-Porter. So and okay, have, don't carry them anymore. So what, what kind <laughs> of sneakers sad. were they? I could try. And try They're and just though. like all black Nikes, yeah. but. Nike has since, uh, they did a collab with a Porte. Oh. And even though Nike sells all black women's Nikes, they've just never been as good as that first pair, which the dog, I'd had them. They were on their way out, but then the dog chewed them up and I couldn't even, like, yeah, I got to go, go on, on eBay. eBay. That is the yeah.
2: worst feeling I may have. To. One of my uh, selling tricks when I worked at Kate Spade was if you love it, buy three. And that. Okay. That has been a true motto in everything that I purchased because I know within Mm -hmm. one week, if I'm going to go through multiple pairs of something or multiple sweaters or I want to get every color, I just buy them because I know that I'm, if six months from now, if it's not being sold, I'm going to be devastated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So smart. Gotta get on It's good to like have someone advocate for that because I always want to do that, but then I feel like you're being crazy, but- I, so many items, I just wish I'd done that because I love them so much. And I have um, kind of an unusual body type. I'm, like, very busty on top and mm-hmm. not so booty-licious on the bottom. So it's, like, very hard for me sometimes to find
0: yeah. clothes that
1: fit. And when I do, I am i can't tell you the number of items. I'm like, why didn't I just buy 15 of these? Because yeah. they're awesome. Well, that's actually so. a very similar body type to me where – Oh, well, please give me all of your yeah. – I actually, when I was looking at your Instagram, I was like, I – I have a client slash friend who we're doing, like, a trade, and she's a stylist. I'm like, I'm sending this account to her because I need her to, like, tell me which of these I can wear. Yeah. But never be
2: ashamed of buying multiples, especially when it comes to the wardrobe basics, right? So Mm -hmm. jeans, sneakers, white button downs, Mm -hmm. basic sweaters. It's just... Just buy it. You can't have too many. You You're going to use it. And then you have to figure out where you're going to store it in your tiny New York City apartment, and then I have to get a storage bed and all these things.
0: (laughs) I love it. It'll be fine. It's going to be fine. I love it. It's very Carrie Bradshaw. How much do you get that? Or do you identify
2: with I get it all the time. I get it all the time because I I don't cook either. (laughs) So people just make the jokes, oh, you must store your sweaters in your stove, but... It's a fire hazard. You should not do that. It is a fire hazard. And I am terrified of fires. My family, (laughs) unfortunately, has run into a couple terrible fires. So I am not the one to be putting sweaters in my stove. And coincidentally, I did, there's, because I don't cook, I didn't know that the drawer underneath the stove was the broiler.
1: Oh, Yeah. So,
2: I didn't put anything in there except for uh, a cupcake tray that still had its plastic wrapping on it. Oh, no. And I accidentally oh. hit the broiler, and then there was, may or may not have been smoke and a flame. Yeah. But oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: everything was fine.
2: <laughs> but I was slightly I terrified. Oh, gosh. It's okay. That's
1: um fine. Well, Allie, I feel like we could talk with you forever, but I sadly need to get going to the airport shortly to oh gosh, pick oh my up God. my boyfriend. Oh, I, so, I was going to say, I hope I you're going, I somewhere fun. going somewhere fun. Uh, <laughs> but make I'm... David Uber. I should make that <laughs> Hashtag, <Uber. laughs> make that hashtag to <laughs> Kim, he's going <laughs> to no, listen to this. it's so
0: nice picking somebody up at the airport. That's yeah. one of my favorite and things to do. <laughs> <laughs> I just like They're making like, we fun we of both. David.
1: I know, you like making fun of
0: David. It's also like a Portland thing, too, not to get too on this topic, but like when I was in Portland visiting Shay, I got an Uber like really early in the morning Because it was like four a.m. Yeah, so I was gonna make sure you take me to the airport, and the Uber driver was like, "Oh, like it's so interesting. Like now, like back in the day, most people would have family members drive them to the airport, but now like a lot of people are doing Uber. And I was like, the only reason I'm doing this is because it's so early. Like I would have had the person that I'm visiting do it. Yeah, but it was just interesting that he said that. Like it's definitely like a cultural thing, because like in New York, no one like even if you had a car, like no one's offering to drive you to the
2: airport. Well, no one wants to sit in that traffic. No, no, so. And I don't. I don't care how much I love you. I'm not sitting in that yeah. traffic.
1: and there were times when I went to the airport on public transportation to pick, like, to collect. Oh, someone yeah, I've done and, that too. Hard pass. back. No, and I was always like, "This is the worst way I'm yeah. doing this." Well, anyways. Right. So anyway, we'll wrap. we're moving into the archery range. Yeah. Uh, here in the archery range, we are going to ask you a series of rapid fire questions. Oh god. Okay. Um, just answer quickly. Whatever's coming off the top of your head. Um, I'm like getting nervous now. <laughs> no, it's okay. Don't be nervous. It's pretty easy. Uh, favorite book. Or it can be
0: a favorite. It doesn't have to be the favorite. Okay. It doesn't
1: have to be your most favorite. We don't judge. Okay.
0: Are you there, Vodka? It's me, Chelsea. <gasps> Love it. Oh, it's the, so my good.
2: favorite book. Okay. But, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, favorite TV show? Oh, <sighs> The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I need oh, to Oh, it's this. so good. It uh, just, just, even just for the clothing alone, I'm obsessed oh, with it. Yeah. And I found sure. the vintage shop in Chelsea where they get their clothing from. But <gasps> oh,
1: hmm. I digress. Um,
2: Shay, your
1: turn. Oh, favorite. Uh, that was favorite TV show. Favorite movie? Oh,
2: my God. No, Mean Girls. I have to do Mean
0: Girls. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's a good millennial classic. Yeah. Um, favorite. Uh, blogger or influencer.
2: Blair Edie You don't even have to let me think about that. She is the person okay. that How do I you just spell that. Or... Oh, oh. It's so her Instagram is B L A I R, E A D I E, and then she puts a B E E on the end because it's her initials. Okay.
1: Very she's cool. a,
2: she's the one who really just
1: made me fall in love with blogging. Yep. Checking her out. Yeah. Uh. Favorite childhood snack? Reese's. Oh, same. Just Very obsessed.
2: Yep. But but when they're cold. Not, I don't want anything like hot. mushy.
1: Reese's cups or Reese's pieces? Reese's cups.
2: Yes, you I have agree. To either, either refrigerated or frozen. I don't want any of this warm, warm chocolate stuff. <laughs>
0: it's a warm chocolate situation. <laughs> um, favorite place in New York? Mm, Maybe to shoot photography. Top of the Rock. Oh, that's
2: cool. I, I love the I top know. of the rock. Anytime a client wants to go to the top of the rock, I'm like, yes, done. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, very cool.
1: Favorite place you visited uh, that is not New York? Oh, that's hard.
2: I go to so many places. Um,
1: okay, I'll just say I'll just say Paris because that's what. Oh sorry the dogs are like, really... kind of like dog conference going on what is your answer <laughs> um i would just say paris because
2: i went to school there i just love it it's my second home
0: oh Not that well, this sounds like a great place to end. Yes, <laughs> we've asked <laughs> all the rough things
1: yeah, <laughs> Allie, please share with our listeners where, we, I know we've already talked about it, but share one more time where we can find you on the internet.
2: So on Instagram, I am at Allie Provost. It's spelled A-L-L-I-E-P-R-O-V-O-S-T as in Tom. And then my website is pretaprovost.com. So it's P-R-E-T-A-P-R-O-V-O-S-T. And then if you really want to follow my photo account, it's pret-a-photo, P-R-E-T dot a dot photo.
1: Nice. I'm awesome. surprised you were able to get that. Really? That awesome. So I, yeah. couldn't,
2: I couldn't get pret-a-photo without the dots. Oh, but, but still, it's very good. But I was like, yeah. i was like, fine. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Very cool.
1: Thank yeah. you so much all for right. being here. This yeah, is awesome. Yeah, thank you, Allie. Thank you guys okay. so much for having me. It was so much of fun. Of course. What a delight. Um, all right, campers, we love you, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yerge, resident youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page, where you can be a subscriber, and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers! We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.